Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Yo, what's up, guys? You like our podcast? You want to make your own? You have all the power, all the resources you need to make your own podcast. That's right. If you haven't heard about Anchor by Spotify, let me give you a rundown. Basically, it's the easiest way to make a podcast with everything you need all in one place. And here's how it works. Anchor lets you record and edit podcasts right from your phone or your computer. So no matter what your setup is like, you can start creating today. Then you can distribute your podcast to the most popular listening platforms, including Spotify with a single tap. Anchor is also the only place you can publish video podcasts to Spotify, which is super important. With Anchor, creators can earn money in a variety of ways, including ads and podcast subscriptions. That's right. And best of all, Anchor is totally free. So download the Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. That is anchor.fm to get started. It's what we use. We get a little kickback from it, and we appreciate it. So if you guys want your own podcast, go to Anchor. Dot .fm to get started. Peace. Hello and welcome to Anatomy of Marriage. I'm your host Melanie Studley. What's up you guys? My name is Seth Studley. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and today we're talking with clinical psychologist Dr. Camden on egalitarianism. Yes, it is cool. an amazing episode that you are absolutely going to love. So why don't we just dive right in? Let's go. Since we're talking to Dr. Camden today, we're going to talk more about psychology and therapy and how it benefits you. What's up? Licensed marriage and family therapist here, Seth Studley. You guys go to getfaithful.com forward slash anatomy of marriage to get hooked up with your very own licensed clinical therapist, psychologist, whoever, about family, about anxiety, about depression. COVID got you down. We're getting better. You're ready to get back up there. Maybe you need a confidence boost. You got to do something to get down your anxiety a little bit. Go to getfaithful.com forward slash anatomy of marriage to do therapy. Finally, you deserve it for yourself. You deserve it for your family. Mm-hmm. Go do it. Let's go do go. it before summer hits and stuff gets real crazy. That's right. What was that website again? Getfaithful. Getfaithful.com forward slash anatomy of marriage. Go there now. Thank you very much. It's so awesome to have you here with us. Thank you so much for being on the show today. Thanks, Melanie, for having me. Yeah, so why don't you go ahead and tell our audience a little bit about yourself, who you are, and what you do. Okay. Um, I'm Dr. Camden Morganti. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist, and I live and work in Knoxville, Tennessee, so here in the South. I'm in private practice as a therapist a few days a week, and then I also um, write, speak, and teach um, the other days a week. So I teach college classes online in psychology, and then I write and speak mostly about gender equality and purity culture. So um, I think Mm. that's what we'll be talking about today. Mm, Um, And I have a husband of five years, and we have a two and a half-year-old daughter. Oh, how exciting. Um, I think it's really fun. My sister lives in Knoxville. Oh, of cool. All the things, Knoxville, <laughs> yeah. a lot of places. But what made you want to get into this work before we dive into our conversation? Well, I've always been really passionate about marriage and helping people um, improve their marriages and, and just seeing that people in the church struggle just 
with marriage just as much as people outside of the church do. Um, so I went to grad school to get my doctorate in psychology right out of undergrad. Like I went straight through and that was my focus was, was marriage. And so I did my dissertation on couples therapy and worked with couples the whole time I was single. Um, oh. <laughs> so I was single. Yeah. During that whole time I was studying about marriage and working with couples. And um, that's part of my um, purity culture story that we'll get into later too, um, mm-hmm. that I was single for a really long, long time. Yeah. Um, and then after I graduated, I got licensed and was working as a psychologist. And then I met my husband and we got married when we were 30. Um, and so having that foundation of being a couple therapist actually helped me have a really, a much better marriage than I think if I would have gotten married um, younger. That works out great for some people. But, uh, but for me, this has been a different path. And it's actually worked out pretty well now that I'm looking back. Yeah. I'm not sure it does work out great for some people. Well, you, you had all the he- the head knowledge, right? But right. now you're learning the, the heart knowledge. Right. And for us, I'm also a licensed marriage and family therapist out here in Seattle. And yeah, I was going through grad school and all that stuff. And and we had already been married, I think, probably. No, I don't know, we a got married years, right? when I had just turned 21. Yeah, we were pretty young, too. And then mm-hmm. grad school, and it was just kind of crazy. I, I really like talking to other therapists and psychologists, and one of the questions that I'm really interested in, just kind of a side note, because I guess I'm a, a psych nerd, I guess, like you are, like we all are. What what was the first, what was your first foray or intro into just the idea of psychology? I can remember mine, and this is totally off script, but I'm just interested in, in your story. Hmm. I don't know. I always wanted to be a therapist. Like I just always wanted to sit and help people with their problems and give them advice and tell them what they're doing wrong. (laughs) That was originally (laughs) what I thought therapy was. Um, So probably just reading like the five love languages written by a psychologist. I read that when I was in like high school and then reading psychology today magazine in college Mm. and I majored in psychology, but, um, but yeah, of course my understanding of it has evolved along the way. That's not what therapy is telling people what they're doing wrong and giving them advice. But, um, but yeah, I think that was my intro. Nice. Okay. That's very cool. cool. Uh, so today we wanted to talk about egalitarianism, which I am super stoked because we've never really talked about it on our show explicitly. I feel like I talk about it a lot, but I've never really like used that heading title or whatever. Mm-hmm. So tell me sort of like why egalitarianism, what your thing is with it, and just ja- jam with that for a minute. Mm-hmm. Okay. So yeah, egalitarianism is the belief or the philosophy that men and women are equal in value and equal in role. Um, and so it contrasts with complementarianism, which is the belief that men and women are equal in value, but not in role, that they have different roles, mm-hmm. um, particularly in marriage and the church. Um, so my intro into this was um, was in college. I was in a psychology of women class with a, with a female psychology professor um, who was talking about, you know, what do you guys think of when you think of feminism? And we came up with this just list of, you know, all the stereotypes of their man bashers and they don't shave and they burn their bras and just, you know, all those things. And, and then she really flipped it and said, you know, feminism is just the belief that men and women are equal and deserve equal opportunities. And so that opened in my mind to the possibilities of being a Christian and a feminist, Mm because this was also, I was at a Christian college, this was a Christian professor, and realizing that those two things can be consistent. They don't have to be opposed to each other. So that started me on a journey of learning more about Christian feminism um, or egalitarianism. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as either one. Mm -hmm. Sometimes you'll hear it referred to as evangelical feminism. Um, And so I studied that quite a bit in grad school too, and and did some research and papers on it. presented on it and just really delved into it and um, 
just wholeheartedly embraced it. So mm-hmm. uh, embraced the title of Christian feminist and egalitarian. And now I write for Christians for Biblical Equality, which is a large egalitarian organization. And I write for their blog and, um, and yeah, talk about it on podcasts like I am today. So I'm right. a big proponent of this belief. I love it. So when you talk about this, this sort of uh, Christian feminism, that kind of stuff, what, like you just said, the big list of like, they're hairy, they burn their bras, <laughs> they're uh-huh. man haters. Like what other um, stuff do you like, not, what am I trying to say? Like myths or backlash or what, what do you hear mostly when mm-hmm. you talk about these things to new people who are new to this idea? Mm-hmm. I think the biggest misconception is that you're man haters or that you devalue men in order to value women. And that's, mm-hmm. that's really not the case. It's about valuing men and women equally. Mm-hmm. And it actually creates, um, more opportunities for men to be equal partners in the home um, and in the church and in the workplace than I think complementarianism does. Um, mm-hmm. Because in that belief system, um, women are more um, thought to be in charge of the home and, and parenting, and that's more their role. And so men kind of take a backseat on that role so that they can um, be leaders in the workplace and in the church, and women take a backseat in those areas usually. Mm-hmm. Um, so I actually think egalitarianism can do a lot of good for men too, because mm. it breaks down gender stereotypes that are harmful for both men and women. Um, and it allows us to just be who we are and not have to fit into these prescribed gender roles that maybe don't fit our personalities or our gifting or temperament. Um, and so that's something that I found in my marriage that just works nicely is that the traditional gender roles just don't fit me and my husband's temperaments and our interests and things. So we would be pretty miserable if we tried to fit ourselves into those roles and instead giving us the freedom to, um, to be equal partners. It gives us just a lot more freedom. Right. Mm-hmm. Tell me more. I would love to know more about what that looks like in your marriage and how it gives you more freedom and how it helps you to not be miserable. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it's been it's been awesome in my marriage, honestly. And my husband says the same thing. You know, um, when we were dating, I brought up this topic of of gender roles and what he thought because you know I was just kind of trying to get a feel for where he was at with that because we live in the South and you know it's pretty traditional and conservative down here and so. Um, he kind of had the traditional belief of gender roles, but didn't really know much about it, hadn't really thought much about it. And so when I presented some of what I had learned and what I had thought about it, he was really open to that perspective and really saw how this could be beneficial for both of us um, and not just me, but also for him. And so he's really fully on board with it now, you know, and he likes to tell people we have um, non-traditional gender roles and we're equal partners and we're team and just those are some of the, the terminology we use. And um, so it mostly affects, affects our parenting quite a bit now that we're parents. Mm-hmm. It affects our decision making and it affects our like division of responsibilities in the mm. house in particular. Yeah. Oh, talk mm-hmm. more about all of those. <laughs> I, yeah. I just want to hear all of it. Yeah. So as far as our division of responsibilities, um, so a complementarian structure would look more traditional where um, the husband was likely working full time. The wife might might stay at home or she might work um, just depending on their their financials, you know, and their, their what the, works for them. Um, but generally his career is prioritized. He's the main provider. Um, he's the main breadwinner. Her career is maybe secondary. So if they're going to make any choices about moving or, um, you know, what career to take, it's going to be his as priority. And so we, we have kind of the opposite of that, where my career has really taken more of a priority. We have um, moved just across town, but, um, but still moved for my career in the past. Um, 
and I make more of the money um, than he does. And so, and so he really supports the work that I do. And he allows that to happen by taking on a bigger role in the house. So Mm -hmm. in the house, um, we split things based on, you know, time, who has the time for it, who has the interest, who has the ability rather than gender role. So he does, um, just as much cooking as I do, probably more cleaning than I do because he works from home. And so he's always here. He can quickly throw in a load of laundry or things like that. Um, And then as far as parenting, he's also equally involved with that, um, with the, just the daily tasks of bathing and feeding and getting up with her and all that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. Um, But also just with the emotion work of parenting, like we we're talking right now about potty training. So it's like, we both want to be involved with that. It's not just my job. Um, And with discipline, we're both um, reading parenting books and talking about, you know, how do we want to approach this? Um, Mm. Yeah. So we really look at each other's equal partners and value both of our voices in the decision-making too. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of times you hear with complementarians that the husband has the, a trump card where mm-hmm. he's got the final say that he has maybe 51% of the say and she has 49%. And so he might consult with her, or even, you know, discuss it together, but ultimately he gets to make the decisions and he gets to veto. Um, And we don't follow that model. And granted, we've only been married five years. So um, even though we've had some disagreements that we've been able to come to a collaborative decision on, um, you know, we've only been married five years. But when I talk to other egalitarian couples who've been married 30 or 40 years, they've said, you know, we've just never run into a situation where we couldn't come to a mutual agreement, Mm -hmm. where through prayer and discussion and, um, you know, each of us taking some time to pray individually and then praying together and talking to wise mentors and things like Mm -hmm. that, we can always come to an agreement. Like if we're not on the same page, we just don't move forward until we are. Mm -hmm. I love that. I wonder, I'm curious as to what you think of this conversation. Have you ever thought about the like, Men have the 51%, women have the 49 Have you ever like well, thought about I, that? Well, I also grew up in the South. I'm from South Carolina, right? Okay. And, and moved out to Seattle when I was like 26. So my, you know, you all my formative years were out there, which was very Bible Belt, which was very, you know, traditional. Like, okay, man, the, the husband is the, 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 the head of the household and all this stuff. And I saw a lot of times where that <clears throat> didn't work out. Like the guy was just kind of a bum or like a jerk and said, you know, my word, the highway, especially in the church stuff. Right. <clears throat> and I was like, well, always kind of had the idea of, okay, you do what you're better at and I'll do what I'm better at uh-huh. kind of thing. And there never has been a time in our marriage where it's been like, your parents no... have non-gender, non-traditional gender roles. Though. Yeah. So I kind of, I kind of, I kind of mm-hmm. grew you're... up that way. It's like, you, you do what you're better at just because right. you're a woman doesn't inherently mean you can cook mm-hmm. better than a man can. And just because I'm a man doesn't mean I can, I don't know, can't fold laundry or something right. like that. It's like, ah, you know, uh, crease it here and, you know, iron this is fine. Um, but there are certain things like that, that that you just are better at. Right. Right. So I, I've kind of deferred to that. But as a systems trained therapist, like systemic thinking, uh, it really is a system. Like we can say, Hey, you do what you want to. I can this, when, when you were talking about the jobs, mm-hmm. so the system just, uh, I guess, Western culture in general, the system is really geared towards men and their careers, right? Like, you know, statistically, I don't know what it is now, but you know, what's the wage gap between men and women? I think it's mm-hmm. maybe 30 cents or something like that. Yeah. 80 cents. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. yeah. It's, it's worse for women of color. Um, right. It's, mm-hmm. it's, 
probably better than 80 cents for, for Caucasian women. But yeah, as an average, it's 80. Yeah. Yeah. So, okay. Where was I going with that? Oh yeah. So that's a, a longstanding systemic problem. Right. Mm-hmm. And I think a lot of couples get into like, you know, maybe a wife is feeling like, okay, I'm, you know, a part of that. Of course, men were in it too, but say, Hey, I want to work out of the household. And that's a really weird decision. Like if, if the system that we've grew up in right. says, okay, Seth, you're, you're, you know, the man, you go to grad school, you get the high paying career, then it's not as flexible as you wanting to start up something it's like, well, okay, that's a great idea, but the numbers don't work out. Right. So I, a lot of people are stuck in that, a systemic mm-hmm. problem, but that doesn't, doesn't at least maybe I'm, I might be wrong. That wouldn't necessarily reflect like, Hey, I support you in what right. I do, but you know, th- my, my job makes a lot more money here. So right. what, what can we do? Mm-hmm. Of course, there's, you know, ways around that, but it's not just an instant thing. So, yeah, I, you know, mm-hmm. I never thought about like my mom and dad basically were just like egalitarian. Right. They way. totally were. They yeah. were the, his dad is a barber and his mom worked as a, a teacher. Mm-hmm. So she was mm-hmm. like the primary breadwinner. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they, they switched back and forth, actually. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 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 And I think it's this mindset that we're equal partners is what's the most important. Like Mm -hmm. we don't focus on who makes more money or who does more in the house. And we both contribute in different ways. And it's not always 50, 50, it's not Mm -hmm. always perfectly even. Um, but we both contribute in ways that are, are for the best of our family. And that's Mm -hmm. what we do is prioritize like what's best for our family over, you know, what's best for each of us as individuals. And so, um, that's where, you know, the career decisions we've made came, come in. And then also some of the parenting decisions, like my husband actually took parental leave when, after we had our daughter, um, he's fortunate that he's at a company that offers paid parental leave, which yeah. is a, a structural issue. Like you were talking about Seth, um, that keeps a lot of parents from being able to take the leave that they want, but he mm-hmm. got some paid leave and then he took additional unpaid leave so that he could stay home with her after I went back to work. So he stayed home by himself with her for four weeks because um, I had to go back pretty quickly. So, mm-hmm. um, and that just spoke volumes to me about um, how he prioritized our family over his job and how much of an equal partner he wanted to be. And just, um, it set us up like on the right foot as far as e- being equals in parenting because he was building this bond with her, taking mm-hmm. care of her by himself and really supporting me and making my life easier as I went back to work um, during my, you know, early postpartum. Right. Mm -hmm. I love that so much. And I think uh, what a benefit it is. It sounds weird to say this, but like even when you said the sentence, he was taking care of her by himself. Like that Mm -hmm. sentence alone to a lot of moms are like, what? Because they look at the role their husband plays when the mother is not present as, well, he's watching the kids, Mm. not he is their father. Yeah, it's his he's babysitting. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so just Mm -hmm. the the shift that that requires from your husband, as well as you to be like, I'm not going to act like my husband can't do this just because he's a man. That would be dumb. (laughs) Right. (laughs) And then same for him to say, I'm not going to act like I don't know how to do this because a man that would be dumb. Um, But that shift I feel like generationally has such a positive impact for your children, for the people that they're around. And I, I just think that this should be, I wish that this was something more prevalent, more, uh, I mean, it is becoming more prevalent, but I would love to know if you've had experience with what men say when they are introduced to this idea. Cause I think most women kind of wish that this is how the world worked from my experience. I could be wrong. Some ladies probably don't care or think about it. But for most women that I know, they go, yeah, I really wish it was more egalitarian. I would love that. That would kind of fill my bucket or whatever. But I feel like a lot of men, this is generally speaking, 
look at that and kind of scoff? Like, do you, what mm-hmm. are you, what's your take on that? Like how men perceive it? Well, I would first say that I think some women do have objections to this too. Mm-hmm. And when you were talking about with parenting and like that, my husband's not babysitting, um, he's, you know, just taking care of her by himself. Mm -hmm. Um, There's this term in psychology called maternal gatekeeping, where the mother gets in the way or gatekeeps um, the caregiver kind of role. And it actually keeps the husband from being as involved as maybe he wants to be Mm -hmm. because she's like, oh no, you're doing it wrong. Just let me do it. Or, well, I know how to soothe him best. So I'll just do it. Or Mm -hmm. you're not putting the diaper on right or something. And so women sometimes have to step back and let um, their husbands learn and let them do things their way sometimes. Mm -hmm. And that's hard when we think our way is the right way, or we think we know the best way to take care of the baby or the house. Um, But yeah, like my husband's in charge of the laundry at our house. That's something he does from start to finish. I don't touch it. Um, And sometimes he doesn't fold things maybe the way that I would like, or he doesn't put things in the rainbow order when he hangs them up, you know, my clothes. And, you know, it's like, I'm not saying a word because if I do, that just discourages and criticizes the work that he's doing for our family. And so, Mm -hmm. so that's one way that women can encourage this is by realizing when they're getting in the way of men taking more of a role. Um, And then women just have sometimes have a pride of like, you know, my way's the best or I'm the one that can do it best. So are you um, just talking about me? You basically talked about me for the last five minutes. I, I, I never so, heard maternal gatekeeping. Clearly, did that for the last fifteen years. No, I've I've heard of that term before, and it makes me think. Okay, this isn't just a. It, so I, I like to look to nature for a lot of wisdom, right? Okay, not just like, oh, how's the animal do it? Okay, we'll just do it that way. But the the like natural order and wisdom and things like that. And I, I think, and correct me if I'm wrong, but like women who may maternal gatekeep are also probably controlling in other areas of their life um, to some to some degree, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, yeah, oh, can, you can't do yeah. it. I'm like, well, I've this is our first baby. Why, right. How come you're so good? But, right. No, but... <laughs> Also, I, I also look at the, okay, cause so we have a female dog that just had puppies, right? Right. And she almost killed the dad when she came, when he came around. The, the parents the, are both the, our dogs. Yeah, they're both and our we dogs, And we were like, right? oh, we'll introduce the dad to yeah. his offspring. And, and she about like killed him, yeah. right? So Uh-oh. there Bad is idea. an instinctual piece around right. that that only like, uh, um, uh, women have right like i i'm not gonna have that maternal instinct dna kind Mm -hmm. of like thing right so what's the what's the difference between maternal gatekeeping and then like oh actually this is what nature made you to do you're a hundred times better at it i that i can't see well i I, I think that it's important to make a distinction there that you just said most men don't have it or whatever i don't Mm. know that that's true you know what i mean like i think that i think even generalizing like most men we don't know what most men's chemicals are doing. I don't know. There's a lot of like chemical stuff going on there yeah. too. But anyway, what you asked a question and mm-hmm. I interrupted. I apologize. Well, yeah, I think there's truth in what both of y'all are saying. Like there, so it sounds like Seth, you're acknowledging some of the, just the, 
bonding hormone that's released and, um, you know, childbirth and in breastfeeding, there's oxytocin and you're bonding with the baby, but, but there's research that says that men can get that through, you know, skin on skin contact too. Mm -hmm. And just Mm -hmm. being, um, being really involved in that way. And, um, I think the whole women are more nurturing really just depends more on temperament and personality. Mm -hmm. I really didn't feel any more nurturing, um, as a, as a new mom than my husband was. And I think that really is our personalities. Um, I'm just more, a little more task oriented, probably like control and things like that, like y'all were saying, and he's just more warm and kind of in the moment. And so, um, so he was able to bond with her, um, probably more easily than I was actually, mm-hmm. um, even though I gave birth to her. So, um, but he was there every step of the way. So yeah, so it might, it might just depend more on the person. Right. And I think family of origin too, like your family is not yeah, super, yeah. Family like, of origin and attachment styles. Too. Right. Like I think there's so many layers to it, but I think what, what the real, uh, I don't know, damage is not the right word, but we do a disservice to men by assuming by nature that they're not more loving or nurturing or whatever. Cause then we kind of box them and we don't kind of, we box them in and mm-hmm. we, we potentially stop them from sort of living their best selves, which might be more nurturing to their little ones or being a stay at home father or whatever. So from the practical side of things, like what would you say if a, there's a wife listening to this podcast or a husband listening to this podcast and it really piques their interest and they go, whoa, I want to learn more about egalitarianism or whatever they call it and whatever title they give it. And I'm interested in this. Like, what are the next steps? What would you recommend that they do read all of that stuff? Mm-hmm. Um, well, I have several articles on my blog, so I always direct people there. Um, but CBE, Christians for Biblical Equality, that I mentioned writing for is another great organization. They have they get into more of the theology of mm-hmm. um, of egalitarianism for people who are concerned about that or who want to learn more about that. Um, there's a new book out called The Making of Biblical Womanhood by Beth Allison Barr. That's a really good read. It's more historical, mm-hmm. um, looking at how women's roles have changed over time in history and how women have been kept from leadership in the church. So that would be more of the church side of things. But um, but really a term that I would leave people with is the term mutual submission. Um, and I think that'll cut through a lot of the objections to this that people might have. Um, again, like I said, it's not about elevating women and putting down men. It's about elevating both of us and building both of us up as equals. And we're still called to submit. So we don't ignore that, uh, the Bible verses that say that, but we mm-hmm. look to Ephesians 5.21, which says, submit to one another, mm-hmm. um, that all Christians are to submit to each other. It's not just a command that's given to wives only to submit to their husbands. It's a command given to all of us to submit to each other and in marriage. And so if men are worried about, well, does this mean she's going to run over me or she's going to you know, boss me around or something like that? No, because your wife is still called to submit. So there are times that I do submit even in an egalitarian marriage that I submit to my husband because I realize he's right or, um, you know, what he wants is better for our marriage in the end. And I'm just able to see like, you know, where I went wrong or things like that. And then there's times where he submits to me because, mm-hmm. um, because of my preferences and because maybe he doesn't have as strong of a preference or things mm-hmm. like that. So, right. um, so I, I have an article about that on my blog where I give mm-hmm. some practical examples from our marriage too. Mm-hmm. I love that. And I think yeah. as you were speaking, I know somewhere, some people take issue with the word submission. And so mm-hmm. I was literally thinking like, what's another way to say that? Oh, just go with his idea or go with her idea. Like or, that's submission. Uh, like yeah. you're just, Oh, okay. Cool. I'll I do think that. Christians get really goofed up. First of all, I think Christians need to unlearn 
basically everything. <laughs> not basically everything. <laughs> not but basically something. everything, but a lot of stuff that we grew up with, right? Unlearning yeah. is a whole process, right? And uh, just, I mean, people get all butthurt about like submit. Oh, she didn't submit, or I have to submit. It's, it's like, how about this, people? Just make the smartest decision. You know, right. it's not like I'm going to like team. run, run the, yes. this thing off of the tracks and right. like, well, she had to submit to me. No, maybe my choice did make more financial sense or like long-term right. sense. Oh, guess what? Maybe your choice made more financial sense or maybe long-term sense. It's just the better decision. Right. right? So I, I would, I, well, I'm frankly annoyed at like Christians and submission and all this stuff. Why don't we just go, oh, hey. What's the better choice? Forget all the submission. Well, and I just stuff. yeah, I just you know think it's saying? like a word issue because I yeah. again, yeah. People, I, w- I there are a million times where Seth has submitted to me, but we have literally never once right. used that word in a sentence. Mm-hmm. It's always well, like even even like it's, even, we make a pros and cons list and go that one. Yeah, <laughs> but it was my idea. Did he submit? Right. right. I mean, I think we've both submitted to each other. Yeah. when we shouldn't have too. It's oh, like, for sure. You know, it's like, well, I just gave in because right, I don't know. Right. You were crying or something. I'm just right. kidding. Or like, yeah, you gave in to me because I was like getting upset. It's different than giving in. Yes. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. It has to be different than just like, oh, I give up. Fine. Just do right. whatever you want to keep the peace. Mm-hmm. It's more of an active choice to sacrifice or to yield mm-hmm. my preference to the other right. person mm-hmm. um, for their for their good and for the marriage's good. Mm-hmm. Well, and it makes me think of like, if you want to ask a question on our podcast, you submit a question. Uh, uh-huh. Is it any different? You, you... I submit the mortgage payment every month. <laughs> right. I don't want to do that. Yeah. No, just <laughs> I just think it's interesting. And I love this idea. I love this topic. And I think it's going to be really helpful for a lot of our listeners because, again, we sort of practice this concept in our marriage. We've never really talked about it in that way. We talk about feminism and equality and stuff like that. We talk about these things, but we never have really talked about egalitarianism in that particular light and sort of... um laid it out because even in our own marriage seth is a much better cook than i am like by decades and eons and galacticness i don't cook well at all i can make a salad and a mean oatmeal but (laughs) i can't make fried chicken (laughs) right i can't make anything else Mm -hmm. and so he does all the cooking i do the cleaning because i'm controlling and i feel like i'm better at it i'm not (laughs) i'm just controlling um but i think it's important to have these conversations and to create a space where the conversation is not uh threatening to like really say, we're just leaning into the best versions of ourselves as people. Like, what are we good at as a human? And then also in that, um, and I think this is sort of more speaking to men, but maybe not necessarily. I guess it's not necessarily just speaking to men, but mm-hmm. to allow people to be their best selves, which for some women, that's not a stay-at-home mom. Mm-hmm. Like, yes. not mm-hmm. your best self, right? So, yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. So appreciate- it allows both of us to flourish and and flourish in our um in our gifts and in our mm-hmm. callings. And I don't feel restricted to the home or to just motherhood right. because of my gender. My um my husband and I both like allow each other to flourish in all of the roles mm-hmm. that we're in. Mm-hmm. I love that. So you something that you said just sparked this idea. What if there is a because you said, I don't feel I'm like I'm just restricted to the home and motherhood. I cannot tell you how many of my coaching clients are like, I'm not just a mom, right? I'm not just a stay-at-home mom. I have these dreams. I have these aspirations, and I feel like I'm stuck. Mm. So what would you say specifically to the stay-at-home moms who are listening to this podcast, like, ready to tear their blouse with, (laughs) right? They're not ready to, like, tear their their garments. Uh, What would you say is sort of their first step? Like, visiting your website is great and all of that, but, like, what would be, like, a tangible the next Mm -hmm. kind of go get it ladies thing 
Well, I certainly don't want to diminish the role of stay-at-home moms either. Because whenever I speak about this, people are like, well, do you think we shouldn't be stay-at-home moms? And it's like, if that's what God's called you to do, and that's, you know, that's what you feel is flourishing for you, and that's what's best for your family, then I support that as long as it's your choice, Um, as long as you didn't feel forced into that role. So for those women, I would think, um, you know, what are your dreams? You don't have to put your dreams on hold because you're a mom. And And I know that that's hard when you know, I have a little one and, you know, money and time is there's, is finite and things like that. But what are some ways that you can still, um, discover who you are and be celebrating who you are in your dream? So I guess that'll look different for every woman. If that means having some time to herself every week, some self-care time, taking a class or getting involved in a group or something, um, or pursuing like a side business, like a lot of, of, stay-at-home moms do now. So, um, so I would encourage women to just think outside of their role as a mom, but also see how God has called them to be, um, focused on their family too. And in the role of their mom, how can they bring their full self to their motherhood and not just feel like they have to, you know, throw away parts of themselves, I guess. Right. Right. And I will encourage you. I love that. I think that's so beautiful. And I think one of the things that we run into with our clients too, is like, If you're a mom and you are at home with kiddos and it doesn't feel like your supreme high calling to just be a stay-at-home mom, it it is for some some ladies. For me, it wasn't. I wanted more. I felt that like deep desire for more, which is what this is. The podcast is the more that I wanted, right? Mm -hmm. And when I, if I I stayed small, if I stayed stuck and thought, well, I can't because I'm just a mom. I can't because I'm whatever. I would be miserable. Like that did for years make me miserable to think, all I could do was cap out at just being a mom. So I really mm-hmm. encourage you wives and husbands, if your wife is, is sort of talking to you about this idea that she does need to be fed from other things and following her interests and chasing her desires and building the side job or having the whatever. Um, and when she's fed, she shows up better for your marriage. That's the way. I mean, she shows exactly. it better as a person mm-hmm. as she shows it better as a mom. So I don't know. That's just something that kind of struck me as you were saying that. And, um, and okay. As we wrap up, so we're going to do another episode right after this. We're going to talk to you about uh, sexual shame and all of that stuff. So I'm excited about that. But before we do that, tell me where people can find you and then we'll hop back on. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. People can find me on my website, which is drcamden.com. And I'm on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter under the same name, Dr. Camden. And so I would love to have people check out my blog and follow me. I'm especially active on Instagram. Awesome. All right. And you know what? You were just on with Dr. Tina, uh, I saw, and she was one of my professors when she we is amazing. So, yeah. Oh, that's cool. awesome. Yeah, because yeah. y'all are in Seattle with her. Uh-huh. Yeah. yeah. She's like our favorite. Yeah, so. she was just on the show last week, right? Yeah, yeah she's last read. week. Mm-hmm. We had her on Yeah, last week. and I interviewed her on Instagram Live last week about her book and mm-hmm. Shameless Parenting, and she was just speaking wisdom to me as a, you know, with a young kid. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. Was, yeah. Oh, that's yeah, so, it was great. so great. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, she is the person, like, we interviewed her years ago for our podcast, and I immediately was like, I'm doing all of parenting wrong. I need to start, yeah. like, all over. I need to <laughs> teach my kids all this. Quick. But it was the best thing ever. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, thank you so much for your time. Thank you for being with us. And everybody go listen to the next episode. It'll be out in a few days on Anatomy of Sex. And we'll catch you over there. All, All right. right. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Thank you. Thank you.